0: Hey, I want to welcome you to Coastal Community Church's online sermons, and uh, before you watch this sermon, first of all, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch, and uh, we do want you to know that uh, this is a tool to encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ, to grow closer to Him and walk with Him. Uh, we, however, at Coastal, I hold a deep belief that uh, this should not supplement your attendance at a local church. We believe deeply in a local church, and so while we, uh, this sermon is a, is a supplement for you, we want to encourage you to be a part of a local church, find a local pastor. Uh, if you're in our community, uh, in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to attend with us. We have three services on Sunday morning, 8, 15, 9, 45, and eleven fifteen. And uh, we'd love for you to join us in one of those services. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in a chair in front of you, okay? And that one you can find our text on... Uh on page 937, all right? And you can join with us. Inside of your bulletin as a handout. I do want to encourage you to follow along with me. Uh, Take some notes. That'll help you prepare as well for your small group ministry, uh, your small group meeting this week. And uh, uh, this has been an interesting week, wasn't it? Uh, I closed the offices this week because of four inches of snow on Monday, and today we're all in t-shirts. So, man, I love the change in seasons. While you're kind of getting everything out and getting ready, I do want to remind you, uh, we are sending a team to the Dominican Republic. And uh, we're sending nine people to the Dominican Republic. You're a part of that when you donate to Coastal Community Church. And, and uh, you know, we want to be a church that not only gives to missions, but also goes to missions. And And uh, last year we sent over, I think, 120 plus people uh, onto the mission field uh, internationally, besides the missions we do here on the, on the peninsula. And uh, we want to continue to do that. And so we got nine going out, and I just know you'll be praying for them. Uh, if you want to keep up with their missions trip, uh, it's mostly, college students, so they're going to be updating the Facebook page that is the Coast, uh, That is the college Coastal Community Church College Facebook page. So if you want to watch what they're doing, you can join that Facebook page, and, and they'll be updating as they have technology to do that. I, uh, I remember the first time, you know, when you, when you love sports the way I do, and you're a dad, and you got your oldest boy, I remember the first time I had the opportunity to play a game of catch with my boy. I mean, that's a great moment for a sports-loving dad, okay? So I couldn't wait. My son was probably four or five, and uh, he had had a glove for a while, and he was kind of using it, and he'd had a baseball for a while, and he was kind of holding it. And so I looked at him and said, do you want to go out and play catch with dad? And he's like, yeah. And and so I get the ball, I get my glove, I'm fired up. We go out in the front yard, we get maybe 15 feet apart. I grab the baseball and as I throw it towards his face... I realized I had not properly trained him to catch a baseball, you know? And so as it's leaving my hand. I was like, this might be a bad idea. And, uh, you know, and so he hadn't really learned how to use the glove and how to move it. And, you know, and I throw this lob and he has his glove here and the ball's coming here and it hits him in the face and it busts his nose and splits his lip and he's crying. And it took another two years to get another game of catch in, you know? And I realized I'm a terrible dad and I didn't prepare him well, and I I didn't lead him well, and and, uh, his mom was mad at me. So there we go, and we're still married, very fortunately for me. But, you know, today we want to talk about, we're in the middle of a series um, that I've been encouraging us as a church, and I mean, as you guys know, we're getting ready to relocate, and I think with the relocation there's going to come a lot of changes, but I want to talk about the things that aren't going to change. What's, what's not going to change at Coastal Community Church? What is it that, you know, you as a follower of Christ and as a, either a member, hopefully a member or a regular tender to this church, you'll know, hey, what doesn't change around here? And, and today I wanted to focus on the idea of biblical leadership. You know, and of all the things I could pick out, you know, in six weeks, and and I started this series saying there's no way I could cover them all, of course, because there's so many things, but I wanted to highlight six, and why biblical leadership? think leadership is imperative to guarding the gospel of Jesus Christ and I actually uh, preached a series this summer and I'm not going to completely rehash that series and and uh, and today is actually going to be more of like a high-level view of this text that I'm going to try to apply it to everybody um, but this past summer I preached through first Timothy and and it's a, a letter from the Apostle Paul to a local church the Church of Ephesus where he instructs the young pastor to structure his church well for the purpose of guarding the the gospel, and I preached a bunch of sermons as you can find online. I preached a sermon called "Instruction to Women." I preached a sermon called go- "The Call of an Elder." I preached a sermon called "Biblical Leadership," and I preached a sermon called "Character and Motivation of Spiritual Leaders." And I, I would encourage you if you're interested in the leadership structure of Coastal, go online on our website, find those sermons out of First Timothy. The series is called "Guarding the Gospel," and listen to those. Those are very important to who we are and how we work and how we go forward in the in the area of leadership. You know, a church can, uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus told us this, wins in the end. But in, I think in local churches, the importance of leadership uh, cannot be stressed highly enough. And, and how it's structured and, and how the, 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 the heart of the men and the women who give leadership in a local church we want to structure well and we want to lead well so that, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be lifted up in a community and Jesus can be made famous. And I think that leadership of, is of highest importance in that endeavor. And so this passage that we're going to look at this morning, while it is clearly directed to the elders of this local church that the Apostle Peter is instructing, and it, it clearly reflects elder ministry, and, and by the way, your elders read this passage um, almost every year in some meeting as a reminder of, of the spirit of which we're to lead the local church, now, I do think this, this passage can be applied to all leadership, and I want all of us to know as, as, as we lead ministries or small groups or even as you're growing in Christ, and, and maybe the Lord is lifting you up in leadership, that this is the spirit of which we expect our leaders at Coastal to grow. In fact, we could ask the question, what is leadership? You know, I think leadership's influence. It's not a title. You can have a large amount of influence and never have a title, right? Um, as a parent... You know, you, you, you have influence. You have leadership in your home. And I think this passage certainly applies to that. So before I jump in this morning, let me do this. Let's just look at this passage together. I want to I read it together, and, and, uh, and then we're going to unpack it this morning. Ready? So here's what Peter says to this church. He says, And now a word to you who are elders in the church. I, too, am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I, too, will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it because you're eager to serve God. Verse 3, don't lord it over people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, he will, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. And in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God is, and you probably know this passage, God opposes the proud. But what does he do, church? He gives grace to the humble, right? He gives grace to the humble. First thing I want you to see this morning is, is spiritually speaking, when you lead people, you're, the, the, real, the real call is that you're entrusted with people. Leadership is, is about people. It's a, it's a, you know, if it was a business endeavor, it'd be a people business. People matter to God, and therefore they must matter to us. God in Christ clothed himself in human flesh, if you can even imagine that. We just got done singing to the high king of heaven, and I was, I was just sitting there thinking, my goodness, Jesus, you clothed yourself in humanity. How incredible. There's no greater earthly purpose than to be entrusted, I believe, with the care of people. It's a sacred trust. In fact, even in the business world, great businesses understand that it's people first. It's product second. In fact, great businesses understand that, it, that uh, uh, the product has to meet the need of, a pe- of people and do that well. And if businesses understand that, then surely churches should understand that, right? Right? In 1 Peter 5, verse 2, Peter says, he says to the elders, he says to the leaders of the church, just care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Now, the first thing is the idea of caring, right? The idea of caring is, 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 is linked closely to the idea of shepherding, right? And so probably many of you in this room are like, what does a shepherd do? I don't, I've never shepherded sheep before, right? And so, you know, a shepherd does a couple things. First of all, a shepherd leads, right? A shepherd gives leadership, a shepherd points in a direction. It's not a straw pole, okay? But it's for the be- it's always leading with what's best for the sheep. A shepherd defends. A shepherd defends. If you're in leadership at Coastal Community Church, if you're an elder at Coastal Community, that means you defend against disunity, you defend against false teaching, you defend against unrighteousness and sin. A shepherd defends. A shepherd provides. A shepherd leads towards water and food. and shepherd's to provide. You know, if you're, a, if you're a parent, especially if you're a father, your job is, is to provide solid teaching in your home. Make sure that your children are being brought up in the Word of God. So they know the Word of God. And as, as leaders in the church, we want to make sure that there's good teaching so that the sheep of the Lord can, can, can eat their fill, if you will, of solid teaching on the Word of God. It's the role, of course, at Coastal of the pastors and the elders to give godly, biblical, and the next thing is servant leadership. And we're going to come to that in a minute. 1 Peter 5, verse 2, care for the flock God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly. The word watch is is the idea of paying attention to, to give solid attention to the people that God has entrusted to you. If you're a small group leader, you need, your, your job is to watch over the people in your group, and to give care and give attention. And by the way, this is exhausting. It's a 24-7 job to, to give attention to the people that God has given under your leadership. And it's a divine entrustment. It's it's a gift from the Lord. If, If people look up to you, if you have influence over someone, that's a divine entrustment of the Lord. And it will exhaust you. It's one of the reasons I tell you as parents, like, you get to the end of the day and you should be tired. You should give a good day's work to your boss. You should come home and give good, uh, a, good, a good day service to your spouse and to your children and to your home, and you should go to bed exhausted. The idea that we work eight or nine or ten hours and come home and plop in a chair the rest of the evening is not a biblical idea. We're trusted with the care of people, and it should be exhausting because we, we watch and we give care to It's a divine entrustment that is exhausting. The second thing about biblical leadership and why we're highlighting this is we've already kind of hinted at this in this test. Biblical leadership is a divine assignment. It's a God thing when God gives you influence. 1 Peter 5 verse 2 and 3. Peter says to, the, to these elders, he says, watch over it, the church, willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you'll get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Let me tell you something. When you lead, and this is what you can expect from your leaders at Coastal, biblical leadership is, is serving the Lord first it's understanding it's a divine assignment it's a placement by God by the way it may be an assignment for a season doesn't mean it's your assignment for ever and ever and ever all the great leaders of of the even the old testament you know their assignments came to an end at some point it's a, but it's a divine assignment and when you serve people and uh, I'm going to tell you something, and the reason I, I put this as a point in my sermon this morning: when you lead people, you need to remember that you're that you're serving the Lord. Because if if the people become the focus, the people will let you down, right? And so then you're then if that becomes kind of the idol in your heart, like I'm I'm gonna you know serve these people, I love these people, and that becomes the focus. What happens when they let you down? Now suddenly you're you're maybe unduly or unnaturally crushed in spirit. Rather than I'm serving the Lord, and it's the Lord that that receives, and it's the Lord that rewards. In fact, there's a great story in the Old Testament, the story of Moses, where he's leading the people. I love this story. I actually quote this frequently when I'm a little discouraged, and it reminds me that my focus is wrong, right? And it's found in Numbers chapter 11. And so essentially, the story is this Moses has led the children of Israel, he's led them out of Egypt. And and the people have seen all these miracles, right? They've seen the plagues, the part of the Red Sea, the Red Sea swallowing up the Egyptian army. They're now in the wilderness. They're crossing the wilderness, heading to the promised land. And suddenly, it gets tough, right? And so God is providing uh, food for them every day. And anybody know what this food is called that they're eating every day? Manna, right? So they're getting this manna every day, which by the way, this is the Hebrew word for what is it, right? So every day you get up and get to eat what is it. And so, you know, they get up, they eat, the, what is it, every day, every day, every day. And somewhere in the journey, right, the people get sick of the what is it, right? And they start to complain. And here's, here's their complaint in Numbers chapter 11. It says, then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And all the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. I mean, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions, and the garlic bread that we could ever want, right? But now our appetite's gone, and all we ever see is this what? No, what is it, right? Just get used to saying that. What is it? That's all we ever see. What is it? It's literally what they're saying, and they began to grumble and it, it makes its way to Moses. And if you've ever led anything, you know this to be true, like that begins to weary you, right? And Moses, I think probably in a, in a, in a, in a time of weakness says this, and I love this. Check this out. I love Moses because it's so earthy and real. Like if you've ever led anything, you know, like my spirit gets here from time to time. These kids, uh, and by the way, if you have kids, you know what this is, right? you got a house full of food. You just went shopping. They come in and what do they do? Nothing to eat in here. What are you talking about? There's a whole closet full of food, right? And so as a parent, you know, you worked all day, you stopped at the store, and it's exhausting, and you get exhausted, right? You're kidding, right? You're going to complain about that? Numbers 11, Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me, What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I I give birth to them? I love that. I didn't have all these people. They don't belong to me. Did I bring them into the world? Why, Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give to your ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me and say, give me meat to eat. I can't carry all these people myself. The load is far too heavy. This is how you intend to treat me. I love this. Just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me the misery. Isn't that great? It's so earthy and real. Like if you and and if you don't get that, you've never let anything, right? But if you've ever let anything, you're like, oh, this is ridiculous, you know? I have no idea how to get meat in the desert for all these people, you know? I tell you, it, you got to be careful that your focus when you're leading anything stays on the Lord because people will disappoint you and leading. I want to encourage you if you're in leadership today in, in any level, your workplace, your home place, here at Coastal Community Church, Like there will be times, it's tough, and there will be times that people will complain. And they're going to complain when you went over and above. And they don't know that. And there's going to be times when they criticize when you served late into the night. And there's going to be times where your motives were judged when you know for sure you did it with as pure a heart as you possibly could have. And there's going to be times where you led, and there's going to be somebody that's going to imply that they could have done it better, even though God appointed you for that season to lead at that time. There's going to be times where you helped someone when they needed you, but it wasn't reciprocated when you needed them and if your focus is on just the people then you're going to be sorely disappointed and so I want to encourage you when God gives you an opportunity to have influence or give leadership that you focus on the Lord you remember the Lord is the one who gives the assignment and the Lord is the one that we're serving because the text here actually tells us this people may not notice but guess what guess who does notice Guess who notices? The Lord notices. First Peter 5, 4 says, when the great shepherd appears, you're going to receive a crown of, what's it say? How long? Let's do it again. Ready? How long? Never ending. Never ending. Moses, just do what I've assigned you to do. Keep your focus on me. I've got the reward taken care of. And by the way, a lot of times people say that, you know, we should just serve the Lord because. I actually think the Scripture teaches that it's okay to understand there will be a reward. Yes, should we serve the Lord because? Absolutely. But let me tell you something. The Scripture is also clear. There is a reward for those who serve the Lord humbly and faithfully. And He's got a never-ending crown of glory. He doesn't flesh out what that means exactly, but I'm going to assume it's pretty great. Okay? I'm going to work with that assumption. And leading's and tough, and so we've got to keep our focus on the Lord. And so, why Peter reminds this in verse 2, 1 Peter 5 watch over it willingly, watch over the church willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. I want you to circle the word serve there, okay? Biblical leadership, and one of the things that will not change a Coastal is our understanding that biblical leadership is humble service, it's humble service to the Lord. Biblical leadership is not about lording some kind of power over people, but it's about humbly serving those you lead. And it's about being the first to give service. And the high king of heaven that we just sang to, Jesus Christ, he he modeled this for us perfectly. In fact, in Bible times, in New Testament times, when you sat down for a meal... Okay, and most most tables when you ate in New Testament times were down on the ground, and so when you sit down to eat, you would kind of sit on your side with your feet kind of behind you in a kneeling position. Okay, and then uh, when you before the meal was served, essentially the lowest person in the household, if you will, the the person in that household that would be considered the lowest of the load, what they would do is they would get a wash basin with a rag and they would go around and they would clean the feet of the people reclined at the table. And it was just kind of in that culture, it was kind of expected that, you know, you should know your place in the culture. So whoever, as you all sat down to eat, you would realize, oh, I'm the one that's probably the servant here. I'm the one that's the lowest of the low. I'm the one that needs to go get the wash basin and the rag and clean everyone's feet. I mean, feet are disgusting, right? Can we not agree with that? Like, it's, they're just gross. And, and yet that was expected before mealtime, that someone would do that, and Jesus taught us a very important example about leadership in John chapter thirteen, verse three. Check this out. Jesus knew that the Father had given him what? All authority. I'm the boss, and I'm sitting down to eat. Why did somebody get up and wash my feet? Right. No and so in the under the umbrella the the apostle john in this text makes it very clear that that Jesus has all authority. He is the boss. He is the high king of heaven. And he understood that he has authority over everything. And he had come from God, and he would return to God. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped himself in a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin, and then began to wash the disciples' feet and drying them with the towel he had around him. Our high king of heaven modeled for us what it looks like to give leadership. It's difficult, and it's challenging, and it's service-oriented. I'm going to be the first one to get the town. I'm going to be the first one to get the water base. I'm going to be the first one to serve my ministry team. I'm going to be the first one there. I'm going to be the first one to lead my home. I'm going to lead my home by serving my wife and my children. I'm going to be a servant at the workplace. I'm going to make sure that my employees have what they need. I'm going to lead my small group by making sure that I'm giving care and I'm praying for them and I'm thinking about them throughout the week. I'm going to make sure that I'm giving leadership by humbly serving those around me. It's the picture of biblical leadership. Peter reminds us, biblical leadership has everything to do with integrity. has everything to do with integrity. Integrity, I always say, is kind of who you are when no one's looking. Peter says in 1 Peter 5.3, he says, When you lead, lead them by your own good example. The Apostle Paul says, You can follow me as I follow Christ. It's the kind of leaders that you can expect around Coastal Community Church. And I think integrity at in, in leadership, I think integrity is everything. Because I have to know that I, I can trust my leader. I have to know that your yes is always a yes. I know that your promise can be taken seriously. I have to know that, that when you point us in a direction, say we need to go this direction, that you've done your due diligence the best you understand it, that's the direction that we need to go. And because leadership is a divine assignment, leading with integrity and character is of the utmost importance. Yes? Because we understand that that God sees all our lives, even the things done in secret. Now, to be clear, all right, because this passage I think even hints at the gospel at very deep levels, even in, even in leadership. To be clear, no human being is perfect, right? First John tells us that. Not until we get to heaven, we get glor- our glorified bodies, will we be perfect. And So, coastal, all right. We always want to do our due diligence to appoint leaders that have a high level of integrity they're men and women of character behind the scenes that doesn't mean they'll never make mistakes all right it doesn't mean they're without sin and and I, but i can assure you a coastal community church that habitual unrepented sin will not be swept under the rug uh, it will be dealt with in an appropriate and a timely and a godly manner we take that seriously but equally important is the gospel It keeps us from looking around for the perfect person. In fact, notice the apostle Peter says in addressing his leadership to this church, very interesting verse one. It's very interesting. Check this out. Peter writes this. He says, and now a word to you who are elders in the church, I too am a what? What's he say? All right. What else was was Peter? What else could he have claimed here? He was an apostle. All right. But he claims to be a fellow elder. He says, I too am an elder. And then he says this, and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And why would he point that out? I mean, the apostle Peter could have pointed a lot of things out, right? Right? The Apostle Peter, I mean, if you read the Gospels really closely, it seems like Jesus really invested in three guys really closely, Peter, James, and John, right? So Peter, it looks like, if you read the Gospels closely, he was kind of a part of the inner circle of Christ. And he could have pointed out a lot of things. I mean, he was a witness to the resurrection of Christ. That's kind of pointing to his apostleship. I'm an eyewitness to the resurrection of Christ, He could have pointed to the transfiguration of Christ where Jesus took three guys up on the mountain and the glory of God was revealed. His deity, if you will, was revealed to these three guys. He was transfigured before him. There was this glorious mountain. Peter said, I was a witness to the transfiguration of Christ. Now, that's not what he pointed to. He says, I was a witness to the sufferings of Christ. Why do you think he pointed to that? Anybody remember what Peter was doing during the sufferings of Christ? He was denying Christ three times, right? It's very interesting that Peter here points to the suffering and the crucifixion of Christ because that was probably his greatest failure. And it's it's recorded in Scripture for 2,000 years we get to read about. I mean, think about your legacy, right? Is that the legacy you want to have? Right? You, got, you got doubting Thomas, that's not the one you want, right? And you've got, you've got the, you know, before the rooster crows three times, right? And to which you respond, not me. No, the other guys maybe. I, you, I, you could expect that out of Andrew, but not me, you know? This is his greatest embarrassment. Why does he bring this up to this church where he says, I'm a fellow elder. I'm a witness to the sufferings of Christ. Could it be that Peter is reminding of the forgiveness of, and the difference that the gospel makes, that when a person repents of sin and returns to Christ, God's not done with them just yet. Isn't that cool? That our God uses ordinary people. Could it be that, that he's saying, you know what, the gospel of Jesus frees broken people. See, even in leadership, this is about the gospel from beginning to end, that the past does not define us but repentance and faith in Jesus Christ is what defines us. And our God chooses to use ordinary people who humbly bow a knee at the foot of the cross to give leadership to his church. Isn't that incredible? When we were singing Cornerstone, I don't know if you noticed the verse Ephesians 2 was put up and how the this beautiful thing that's happening here on earth, according to the scriptures, of God in Christ united with his people in the church is doing something supernatural. I read that verse as we were singing. I saw him like, whoa, it gave me chills. And there's a mystery there to be sure, but whoa, we get to be a part of that. And, and you and I get to be a part even in areas of leadership and leading what God is doing here on earth through his local church. It's incredible to me. It's incredible to me, and I'm so grateful, and hopefully you are too, that God uses ordinary people to make Jesus famous. Finally, Peter reminds us, he says the making, he reminds us that that the making of a great leader is to be a great follower. The making of a great leader is to be a great follower. I'm going to tell you something, church, at Coastal, it's not uncommon for your elders to talk about the incredible trust that Coastal Community Church gives the leadership, and we are humbled by that. And we try to lead with grace and generosity, and we're just so thankful to our church body that's just so gracious to us. But with that said, I still need to remind us of what the Bible says about these things. First Peter 5.5, 5, Peter writes in the same way, you young men must accept the authority of the elders and all of you serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud and gives favor or gives grace to the humble. The making of a great leader begins by being a great follower the making of a great leader recognizes that leadership is difficult. You know, one of the things that <clears throat> I'm very careful to do, especially this time of year, right? In the next uh, I don't know, six, eight months in our country, like we're gonna spend a lot of time politically speaking talking about leadership. And the barbs and the daggers will get thrown. Let me encourage you at Coastal, like, stay off the Facebook on this stuff, really. Just, just be gracious. If the person that you didn't vote for wins, be gracious. Romans 13 tells us to pray for our leaders. Like, do that. It doesn't say go on Facebook and dismantle them, okay? Pray for them and recognize that leadership is difficult. That's why I'm very cautious not to slam the political leader if it's one I didn't vote for, okay? Because we want to realize, hey, leadership is tough, and the making of great leaders to be a great follower, Hebrews chapter thirteen says this to the church: thirteen seventeen, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls; they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do it with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. The making of great leaders is to be a great follower. There's a great uh, story in the Old Testament that I think gives the how how le- what leadership can look like over a period of time. Right, the nation of Israel. <clears throat> wanted a king. They, uh, they were, they were kind of tired of being led by prophets. And so they said, all the other nations have a king, God, we want a king. And so they anointed their first king. Everybody remember their first king? Saul. Saul, right? And everybody remember why they anointed Saul as king? Two reasons. He was handsome and he was tall, okay? He was easy on the eyes, right? And so they said, man, let's make this guy king, because he's, th- I mean, you just make like some NBA center the king, right? Because he's just tall, right? And that's how Saul became king, but he was not a man of character. And so he didn't lead well, and eventually his leadership was was stripped away, and so God said, I'm going to raise up a new leader for my nation, for the nation of Israel. And so remember, he sent Samuel uh, uh, to, uh, to find a new leader, and he goes, and you know your Old Testament, you know David becomes the next leader, but, but really, they start uh, by looking at, at the brothers of David, right? And the first brother that's marched out in front of Samuel, they, he said, surely this must be the next king of Israel. Why? Anybody know? He was tall. He's the tallest of the brothers. They sure like size, right? It is like that's, that's how the nation of Israel wanted to pick their leaders. And God said, No, that's, no, that's, not, that's not the guy I'm choosing as king. And, and so his, uh, David's father, Jesse, was asked, so, so do you have any more sons? And he goes, Yeah, well, there's one tending sheep, which is like, again, it's the lowliest of the low jobs. Like, surely, and I think his father's probably saying, Surely, that's not who you want to be the next king, right? And so Samuel says, send for him. And 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by appearance or what? They like tall people, okay? For I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so God was looking for somebody that was faithful to the task, right? And so so here's David. He's being faithful to what God had called him to do at that time. And by the way, this is kind of a recurring theme in Scripture, that great leaders start as great followers, and they're faithful to the task that God has given them for however long God has assigned. That is their assignment. And so, if you, so uh, the next, you go one chapter over. So now David's been anointed as king. He's not the king yet. Saul's still the king, but he's anointed as the next king, right? And so the very next scene that we get in the Old Testament is the scene of, of the Israelites camped in front of the Philistines and every day there's this giant named Goliath. The guy he's kind of a god I call him a God cursing Philistine. He comes out every day and he's cursing the God of the people of Israel. And they, he challenges the people of Israel to a one on one battle. Whoever wins the battle, the other person gets the spoil. No man in the army of the nation of Israel is willing to challenge this Philistine, right? And Joey's laughing because he named his dog that. And so why you I always say why you name your dog after a God cursing Philistine. I have no idea, but that's what you did. And so anyway, um, <clears throat> it's a play on words, it's a little dog, okay? So that's why I did it. And so, um, and so he named his dog after a God-cursing Philistine I mean, and then he's our pastor, so uh, one of our pastors here, so we'll discuss that later. Um, and so David comes up to bring food to his brothers that are on the battlefront, and he hears this Philistine cursing the name of the Lord. He says, why don't anybody go out and face this giant? Face Goliath. I'll do it. And and here's his resume. Check this out. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. But David persisted. He's trying to convince Saul, let him go out in battle. He says, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Eh, Not a great resume builder right out of the gate, right? I've been tending sheep, he said. But here's where it gets great. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I turn and run and scream. That's what Pastor Sean does, right? But that's not what David does. I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, are you getting this? We're talking about a lion or a bear. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw. He's doing hand-to-hand combat with large animals, okay? If the animal turns on me, okay, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he defies the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lions and the bear will rescue me from the Philistines. That's courage. All those days in the field, day after day after day, giving attention to what God had entrusted him to, God was preparing David. Fascinating, isn't it? He could, have, he could have grumbled about his job. He could have grumbled about his lowly assignment, but God was up to something bigger. God was building David to be the leader of his nation and it's easy to grow weary in our current assignment, but God could be preparing you and molding you right where you are. God wants to see if you're going to be faithful and have character in the small things. The prepping of a great leader is a great follower. It's a principle in 1 Peter 5. Coastal, I want you to know this. I'm going to close this with prayer, okay? We place a high priority on biblical leadership at Coastal Community Church. Of the six things I could have preached on, why would I pick this one? Because I think biblical leadership is a high essential to guarding the gospel message of Jesus Christ and effectively getting it out to fulfill the great commission, making disciples of all nations. And I think one of the reasons the church is so weak on fulfilling the commissioning of Christ is because we have been weak on how God has called us to organize a church, and what exactly a leader, and character of a leader should be. Peter reminds us, people matter to God, so they matter to us. Leading people is a divine and sacred trust. Leading people is a divine assignment, and the leaders that God appoints should serve God, they should humbly serve people, and they should serve with integrity. And finally, Peter reminds that great leaders start by being great followers, giving incredible and faithful attention to what God has currently given them. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for the leadership of Coastal Community Church. And we have leaders all over the place, leading ministries, leading small groups. I pray for our pastors and our elders, God. I pray that our pastors and elders would be men of integrity, faithfulness, righteousness, and that we would be building on a foundation of character so that the gospel of Christ can be lifted up and we can keep our eyes focused on the fulfilling of the great commission, making disciples of all nations. Thank you for this sacred call. Help us to do it well for the glory and fame of our high King of heaven, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray, amen. All right, church, this is our offering time. If you are a guest with us this morning, I wanna thank you for being here. Um, as a guest, we don't, we're we not after your money, so don't feel an obligation to give. This is one of the ways we worship the Lord at Coastal Community Church. So uh, if you'd like to join us in that, you're certainly welcome. We'd love to have one thing from you as a guest. side of that bulletin is a tear-off, and if you just fill that out. Uh, Drop that in the offering plate. And we just want to send you a little bit more information about Coastal Community Church. That's all we're going to do with that. If you're here this morning, you have a prayer need. Our prayer team will be up here at the front, and they would love to talk to you and pray with you uh, and minister you in that way. So with that, ushers, would you come forward? And Joel, would you lead us in a closing song?